0: Hello, and welcome to The Work Worth Doing, an education podcast where we talk about all things education and dive deep into what makes our guests influential educators. My name is John Simmons. I am currently a middle school principal and in the process of transitioning to director of secondary education. I'm here to share some of the meaningful work being done by everyday educators. For this podcast, I'm happy to introduce my guest, Toby Bowes. Toby is the Director of Professional Development of Educational Service Unit 6, a regional service agency in Nebraska, and founder of Room 5 Educational Consulting. He has experience as a classroom teacher, district administrator, and professional development consultant. Dr. Bose has worked directly with schools to provide training on topics such as implementing an instructional model, goal setting, reflective practice, and supervision of instruction. He also serves as a high-reliability schools associate and has certified more than 35 schools in the HRS framework. Dr. Bose earned a Bachelor of Science degree in Secondary Education, a Master's of Arts in Economics, and his doctorate degree from the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. <laughs> hey, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. Happy Monday. Happy Monday to you, too. Are you on spring break at
1: all, or did you do already do that? They did that. Uh, they always do that around the first two weeks in March. If they co- What happened a long time ago is schools decided to quit fighting the Battle of State Basketball Tournament with kids being gone because um, it's always on a Thursday and a Friday. So usually they would plan parent-teacher conferences around that time and then they would have like the kids don't come a couple days. So they always do that in the like the First and second week in March so that we had Easter break and so now it's pushed to the end it's you know everybody's going hard I've got a daughter who's a senior and so now we're getting you know into got all the great I just mailed the graduation announcements today so um
0: it's well, coming con- to- yeah congratulations on that that is a significant event for sure and you're well, living in
1: and her mother is her math teacher, so my wife is a high school math teacher <laughs> in the same school. So it's like, are you? Uh, I, hey, I, you know, is Sid gonna pass? You know, algebra, second year algebra. You know, and she goes, yeah, she's fine. So it's, it's one of those things where it's, it just goes so fast. It just, it just doesn't seem like you see your memories on Facebook, and you see seven years ago, and you go, oh my goodness, where is that kid? Mm-hmm. You know,
0: I have two adult kids myself and um, yeah, it has gone very quickly. And my wife and myself were similarly as you and your wife, um, highly involved in their education. So my wife taught um, at a very small, we lived in a very small community and she taught kindergarten and algebra at this little school. So our kids went through there. And then when they got to the middle school age, they went to my junior high school. And then when they got to high school, my son went to the comprehensive high school. My daughter went to the homeschool charter, which at that time my wife had taken over and was running. So, you know, we've had a heavy input on our children's education as well.
1: Well, and don't you think it's interesting too, that all of your work you see through their eyes, like, you know, you just see the it's nice to see the other side of why you're doing it in the first place, right? Why, why are we doing this in the first place? And, you know, there's been some things where I've told people that, you know, I, I want the best education for my kid and like every parent. And then when you see something that's wrong, you say, well, they're not in therapy, but it could have been better.
0: You know, know, um, I don't know if you have experienced this, but um, we, um, you know, you have to let go a little bit and let them be their own people. So our kids didn't make every decision that we would have chosen, but um, we supported them all the way through, and um, it's pretty exciting to see the people they've become.
1: Yeah, exactly. Because the the things that I've found that the things that they gravitate to, as long as they're healthy, things mm-hmm. they gravitate to. The things they gravitate to they have to own and want to do. It doesn't matter how much I want them to be the star athlete if they don't really like the sport. Right. Yeah. I can't do it for me. Our, our, uh, both of our kids were in band and one gravitated towards golf and she loves golf. And that was her thing. And it's so funny the first time. So you might, you might recognize this story, so the first time uh, my daughter's a freshman, of course, they are golfing at, um, you know, off site. So they got to go over to the golf course. It's, you know, a few miles away. So my wife um, has to pick up our oldest daughter. This is probably, uh, you know, when she was a junior so or a freshman, she couldn't drive. So mom pulls up, she's a freshman, mom pulls up. Gets out of the gets out of the car to get her clubs and everything. Practice is over, and she goes, "Why'd you get out of the car?" And she goes, well, "I don't know. You want." you one of the clubs because all the senior kids that m- my wife teaches were all those girls were standing over there. And then they go, hi, Mrs. Bose, how you doing? And she waved at him and she goes, why are you waving at him? She goes, because I know him. She goes, do, do they like you? I go, well, as far as I know.
0: <laughs> yeah, I can definitely relate to this story. And so they it want was some really...
1: distance, but they mm-hmm. want to do They want you got to give them their their space.
0: Definitely. My I'm uh, going through the middle school when I was I was the vice principal at that time and my son would always just walk up and hang out. And then my daughter, she would not, she would make sure to walk by and, you know, be having a conversation with somebody as as she's on her way to class. (laughs) I don't know that guy. I don't know that
1: guy. We had a teacher that had a kid in school and um, you know, we are small enough school that, you know, like my, my kids have always called Cindy mom, even in Mm -hmm. class. I mean, they don't, they don't make a big deal about it, but I'm not going to call her Mrs. Bose. So we had another teacher and they had a kid in school and she goes, I am not calling you Mrs. Johnson or I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm uh, not, I'm calling you Mrs. Johnson. I'm not calling you mom. And teacher goes, okay, Mrs. Johnson does not have money for your lunch. <laughs> uh, mom might, but Mrs. Johnson does. She goes, all right, I'll call you mom. Oh, that's so cute.
0: <laughs> yep. Love that. Hey, um, <clears throat> on this, uh, interview today, the whole idea came, I think I talked to you a little bit about it. I, I love talking shop, but I thought, why not shift the environment and talk shop when I'm not working and see yeah. how that goes, you know, because I've had some really amazing people, um, that have influenced what I do and I like talking to them, you know, and it's not about necessarily work, but it's about the, the work we do. Right. Do you get an opportunity to do that very often?
1: Not often. Um, Of course, we come from an educator family and a lot of my colleagues are educators. So it seems like that always comes up. But I do have a a good friend. I don't remember what his podcast was called. Maybe it was Dangerously Irrelevant. I don't know what it was called, but something cute like like that. that. And he um, he um, did the same thing. And just did a, he was just interviewing different people and just picking their brain. Um, we've been able, I've been able to, I've been lucky in my career in that I've been in a position where I've been around a lot of great people. And um, one of my, one of the people that really kind of got going on some of the Marzano stuff early was one of our um, young superintendents. And I got in his office one time and we were just, you know, I was working for, you know, my background is to work for an intermediate agency. So in Nebraska, we have certain schools that we serve. So he is one of the schools we serve. And I was over there and he's got his whiteboard out and, and we just had what he called an ideation session. We just started talking about, well, we could do this, we could do that. That's when you learn the most is when you're just talking to people. And, and I, I do have a theory that, um, and this is my saying, is nobody in the room is as smart as the room um, because there are very few original ideas. It's always you've got this from visiting with somebody else and you got a perspective, but you get those perspectives when you least expect it. You don't, you know, if you go in to say, hey, I want to find out about this. Yeah, you'll find out about this, but sometimes you, you talk to somebody and go, man, that is a really good thing you're doing over there. And I had not even thought about that. So
0: yeah, yeah. we have the similar saying means the same thing. We say, you know, we're all, we are all bright in this room, but we're brilliant together. Yeah. Same yeah. kind of thing. Hey, um, so along those lines, Toby, how did you, um, I'd love to know your journey. Like, how did you get to where you are uh, today? Well, um, I know we're talking I, uh, a along roads.
1: Yeah. The long road.
0: I am very curious because uh, I love the work you're doing, and it's very relevant to the work that I'm trying to do. So, you know, I'm very captivated by your story. So. I'd love. To
1: well, hear you know, my first, <clears throat> you know, just going back, I'm I always say I'm a recovering social studies teacher. Um, back in back in the day, I you know, got my first teaching gig in a small school. And um, th- th- and I think this is relevant to our conversation about education is and you'll find in the Marzano work. It's this area of expertise and how long it takes to become an expert at something, you know, so I went to a small school. I mean, there were um, some of my classes The I, I taught social studies. So I was the department chair and the department right, so I had 7 through 12 social studies, and I had at the most 20 kids in a grade, like the the senior class was 24, right, so that's how small this school was, and I really learned a lot about just teaching by trial and error, and I did some things that weren't right, but I didn't know any better, you know, you always do better when you know better, um, and then, um, as always, you know, you're kind of looking around and seeing what what else, you know, I spent eight years in that school learning the craft. And then I um, got a gig in uh, a little bit bigger school in Nebraska there, you know, Waverly, which where I taught my taught next was um, in a school that we call a class B size school, which is I think the first 30 largest schools in the state are class A and the next 32 are B. So, you know, we were total district enrollment isn't big by, you know, on the national scale, but it's about 1800 kids, K to 12. So it was a little bit bigger and, you know, got a social, you know, social studies job there. And then um, got an opportunity. And I always say that when you're in this job, always, always think about where you ended up was because somebody else took a chance on you. And I always tell principals, when you get a chance to bring somebody along, cherish it, just cherish it. As a principal finds that teacher in the classroom and encourages them to become the principal or to become an instructional coach, you change the trajectory of their career. So, and of their life. So, Uh, We had a great superintendent, he said, uh, this was back in about 2000, when Nebraska was kind of slow to the game on doing state standards and everything. But he knew he needed somebody to help work that. And so I took, uh, he took a chance on me to become a halftime what they called curriculum director. So I was halftime curriculum director and um, did that for four or five years. And through that, we did a lot of work with our intermediate agency. And in Nebraska, there are 17 total intermediate agencies and each one is a political subdivision. And what they do is they serve a certain number of schools. And our school was served by Educational Service Unit 6. And it just so happened that Tammy Heffelbauer, who you may have heard of, was the was a consultant over there and eventually the director of professional development over there so I got to know Tammy from working with you know you, you had to go to the service unit if you're you know our my superintendent Dan Erd said we've got to figure out how to do this So get over the service unit and learn everything you can for everybody so built a relationship there in the meantime as I was curriculum director <clears throat> we had a um well, even, even when I was a teacher, we had an opening for an assistant principal and uh, this uh, gentleman from you uh, at the time, he was a high school. Um, I think he was a business teacher from Aurora named Phil Warwick applied for the job as our assistant principal.
0: Holy and my.
1: I was actually on the interview committee when we hired Philly for the uh, for the assistant principal and he became principal and Phil hired my wife. Um, in her current job and he said it's the best hire I ever made you know and she's she's the best one of your family he you always gives me the best boast <laughs> that I know is, is your wife Cindy taught all of Phil's kids um when wow. before he went to Round Rock and went well I'm not sure the youngest one I'm not sure if she had Maddie but she had he had Lauren and um it's just she always every time I'm on a webinar with Phil or something because I hear Phil's voice and she stops in and says hi she goes it's so good to hear your voice And, you know, so then it it was just, you know, I don't know, serendipity that I, that those people and Phil and Tammy and I both got our, our doctorates at the same time. So we had that connection. And then um, we had, when I, when I had been um, working with them, it's just the Marzano stuff had always been something we leaned on. Mm -hmm.
0: That's amazing. Um, What a cool um, group of people that you just new right yeah because Tammy Tammy just did um I just signed up uh, several of my math teachers into her workshop on um kind of the the standard based grading the building your scales and doing your common assessments and they really um came back with great feedback I mean she wrote the book but she is also a fabulous trainer Yep. and Phil I mean he's got a very Dynamic personality, and he's a great trainer, and so are you. And you guys all knew each other way back then. That's that's fascinating. Love that story. Well,
1: and just to put a just put <clears> some <throat> icing on the cake, then we um, then uh, another service unit had um, some staff developers there that Tammy knew, and um, one of them ended up going to the Department of Education and worked closely with her by the name of Jan Hag. So Jan was at the department and uh, lives, you know, was living right down here in in the school district to the south. So I've known Jan just as long as anybody, Jan and I, and and, uh, used to go on, we did these road tours um, with the department to do trainings with people. So I worked with Jan a lot. So, I mean, three of the people that have really, it seems like paved the way for a lot of what Marzano Resources is today, you know, have been friends of mine for 20 years. So when, so my story then, um, Tammy hired me out of the Waverly School District to come work at the service unit, ESU 6, and then um, shortly after that, I, um, uh, she went on to uh, another job in Colorado, and so I basically took over the job that Tammy had at the service unit is the director of professional development. So in our story, the story to go back and tie to Marzano, we'd always done a lot with classroom instruction that works. We had always leaned on kind of a research base and then the new art and science and had done a lot of work there. Um, And then, you know, had always leaned on the Marzano instructional side to To guide our work. And then when we had the opportunity to get involved with, um, I got the opportunity, oh, probably back in 2014-15, Phil said, hey, I'm, I'm working on this high reliability schools thing. And I'd like you to do, start doing maybe a little work with it and trying to get our schools to maybe do it. But he set me up to do a little bit of survey coaching. It's called data coaching at the time. And I did those webinars for a a few schools. And then just as I was working at the service unit, you know, for the last seven, eight years, I've just kind of done some stuff on the side with them. And, And what's been good about our relationship is they've always, you know, kind of said, hey, you develop something for us. You have some of the stuff for us. Feel free to use it with your schools. Like we're not worried about your schools breaking copyright, you know, all the rest of that stuff. So use it with your schools. We're not worried about that. So we we really gained a lot from our schools having kind of that. You know, we're second hand to um, a lot of those people, and we had we had a lot of fun having Tammy and Phil and Jan in our service unit doing some training. So. Um, just, it just started, it started small with the HRS and then started doing some certifications. Yeah. Working with you on some certifications and, um, I I, I want to compliment,
0: um, you know, you, you guys and that team in just the encouragement of, of people using the Marzano, um, HRS material to improve and not worrying about, necessarily making a profit or, uh, you know, paying for their brand, um, right. that has, uh, in California, there are several or you know, initiatives if you want that they want you to use them, but, um, it's, it's all very tied to, um, you, 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 embedding them in your budget development and, and Marzano didn't feel like that, even though that's kind of ended up what's happened a little bit. Yeah. Um, it, it, you know Phil said hey you know this book like you've talked about the high reliability school book it's kind of the bible you, you knock yourself out you don't need more than that go to work and you know I, I have benefited a lot from the other pieces but I really appreciate that
1: well I just was on a you know and I pinched myself too John I seriously pinched myself that I can call Bob Marzano Bob but right. he actually <laughs> knows who I am I mean he, he, he says hey toby how you doing I go like it's like what 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 is happening here right what, right. <laughs> what is going on here because the guy's a legend but they were doing um, a training on their new um, improving teacher development evaluation book and they were Cameron rains wrote it with with Bob and phil and it's really insightful I mean it's got just some great practical practical things in there but here's the thing is somebody said well are you gonna Are you offering a series of trainings out to schools and of course we should right i mean we should train on it the first thing bob is uh that's why we wrote the book i mean exactly (laughs) what you're saying that's why we wrote the book you know read the book and take the stuff and use it i mean and it's so refreshing to hear somebody i mean it, it was you know when you hear bob say oh yeah those 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 scales in the book, yeah, go ahead and use them. And then you see the people that are corporate are going, uh, what just happened here? And Bob goes, I wrote it. They can have it. So it really does feel like, you know, where the intention is in the right place, because if this is good stuff and you can use it, use it. Right. Okay. I mean, and if you need help with it.
0: Yeah. It doesn't, your- it doesn't feel gimmicky to me. It feels like, you know, try it and you're gonna, you're gonna come to love it because it works. I mean, that's, uh, you know, it's good stuff.
1: And let me ask you, I know this is you're interviewing me, but let me ask you this question then, as, as somebody who uses that stuff, does it make a difference when you feel like Phil Warwick, who has been, you know, a principal, developed it, and then when, you know, when I'm doing my work, you know, I got thirty-eight years in the in the game, right? Yeah. It's not like some researcher, or somebody wrote a book, has never, you know, done this. It's like, hey, <laughs> practical solutions. You know, this is people people have done this. Does that help when you're thinking about it? the people that are doing this are really, you know, educators who've been on the ground?
0: Oh, absolutely. So, I mean that that gets um, that gets us pretty charged. You know, I've taken a few people to like the summit, the summit in Colorado was really, um, a big moment for myself and my team. Um, because you're, you know, we're listening to you we're listening to Phil, listening to Mike rule and, and then not just that, just like you said, being able to go talk to them, um, in between or after, and it's just real people who can answer real questions because you've done the work on a site and can relate. Yeah. I appreciate that.
1: Yeah. I think, I think that, um, I've heard people that say oh I like what you're doing I'd like to there's there's some some people that are kind of like professional trainers right that's all they do and they might have taught a few years or been in education and they say hey I'd, I'd be willing to come on and train the Marzano stuff and the first question we always yeah, I always ask is well have you done this stuff have you have you have you lived it at all you know right. because it's it's hard to get people to say, well, here's the theory behind it. But when you've had some, some, you know, on the ground experience with these, the issues that people are dealing with. Great example is when I have been helping schools with level one of HRS. And I tell them, I got, my wife has been sitting down in our basement since March, right? Doing the lessons. I got a kid that is getting up and going to her lessons on zoom and I hear everything through what they're doing and what I'm, what I'm seeing from my job. And it's like, this is tough. This, this COVID stuff is, is been a problem, but at the same time when you can say, Hey, look at all your COVID procedures you put in and apply that to the HRS model and say, look at how those things have made a difference. Then I think you get, get some traction with people because it's real talk about, hey, <laughs> this is the things that you've done.
0: I'm really excited um, about the transition that I'm involved in right now, not just because of where I'm headed, but I'm excited to kind of put the HRS model to the test in the sense of I've got a new principal taking over my school.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And, you know, we have talked about a lot in the Marzano. It's not about the people, it's about the systems. do you have the systems in place so that it's just kind of plug and play? Can the person come in and just go? And, um, you know, this position came up probably a little bit premature. I would really have loved to been the site leader while we get the certification for two and three as well. Um, But I think we've done some good work along that lines. And so I've already contracted to get that certification done next year, the two and the three, but it's going to be with a new, it's going to be with a new leader. And so I'm, I'm really excited about being able to bring someone on board where they don't have to feel like they have to create their own brand or identity. They will have their style and they'll have their system, you know, their way of doing the work, but they, they literally are going to come into a, uh, you know, a school that has got direction. And I, and I just super excited to see how this plays out. I think it's going to be really amazing.
1: Well, um, I think you're giving, as, as you'll hear Phil say, the game is winnable if we have some clarity. We can win this game if we, if we do the right things. And he'll apply it to some specific things, but that always, always take away. This game is winnable if we do some things. But think about going in as a new principal. And yes, you want to move towards level two and three certification but there are 20 leading indicators in the first three levels, right? If mm-hmm. that is your work, that helps define for a leader what I need to do. But think about how many principals go into a job and they have nothing. Like, they're like, oh my goodness, I got, uh, we, we've got threat assessment training. Uh, I got to get people to that. Oh, we got to rearrange our standards. We got to do some curriculum work. And this thing we call school improvement is just this, this board of unrelated initiatives that I'm trying to juggle. And I'm trying to do a little of this and a little of that. And then we do it, what, you know we, you know what we should do, John? We should get PLCs going, John. Yeah, that's great, let's get PLCs going. So you start a little PLC work. And then you say, but we, but we really need to do something with teacher evaluation. And you're we're running all these different places. And if you just use the HRS model, you can attach everything to it and gives you clarity of work and when it's the right work. So whenever I do a little HRS overview, I always talk about, um, list out your school improvement initiatives from last year, just write them out. So they'll write down all the things, okay? And then I always show, I I got this off Twitter. So it was was a, was a, a school that I knew, but they put it on Twitter and it said, doing the good work of, of the school improvement team planning. And it was this whiteboard that was just covered with stuff. They had a little PLC over here. They had a little teacher evaluation. They had a little curriculum. They had priority standards. They had this mess of stuff up there. And it's like, how do I make sense of any of that? But if you can attach it to the 20 leading indicators, I guarantee you any school doing any Mm -hmm. of that will be able to say, It goes here. And now I can just keep working on this. We just had a note in Nebraska I just saw, because I'm a little bit out of the loop since I I just retired this last year. Um, And um, they're doing uh, psychological first aid is the the new term that they're using rather than um, the counseling after um, some trauma incident. So psychological first aid. So guess what? Now schools have, well, where do we put psychological first aid? Oh, we, we had to do um, a lot of training on threat assessment. Where do we put that? Oh, we've got new science standards. We're do, and we, we're just running.
0: We're mm-hmm. just
1: running. And if I just think your principal coming in to say, look, level two, there's six leading indicators. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Work on these six well- in level two.
0: It, you know, I sold my team on that whole concept early because in that right, early in the book it says it's not about doing, working harder, working more. It's about doing the right work, right? And if you're doing those leading indicators, you're doing the right work. And and it not only does it fit together, it's clear your initiatives that you bring in they fit. They make yeah. So everything about it has just been um, honestly um, saved my career. It's been. It's giving me energy and um, feel like the work is, like you said, we're winning some every once in a while. We're in the yeah. right direction. So it feels good. Let me um, shift you towards, I, I have a ton of questions for you, but number one is, um, so you retired, you've, you were doing work, and I think you still are doing work with the educational unit six, but you started your own company, it looks like... Um, what is it? It's uh, Room 5 Educational yeah. Consulting. What is that?
1: Yeah. Well, so when I've been working with Marzano, you know, I was still working the service unit. So I was taking vacation days and, you know, flexing my schedule if I needed to do something or working in the evenings. And so after 38 years in the game last year, I decided to go ahead and, and retire. And um, so just just to make it clean, um, I started a little S corporation called room five. Now here's the story. Um, room five was the name of the room that I started in and teaching social studies in, in my first job in Fairmont, Nebraska. And that's kind of where it all started was in room five. Um, and, um, I, you know, I, I should probably go back to, it's now Fairmont, uh, intermediate school, I should probably go back and ask um, Steve Atkinson, if we can take a picture. They still have the block letter of room five right by the door. You know, it was, it was, a, it, was it was a newer school. And so they just had room one room two and I haven't been in room five. So that's why I did that. And it's really not for me. I'm not looking to do a lot of things on my own, but it's just a way for me to go ahead and, you know, have a, have a little company I'm running this through and some of it's for tax purposes, but also it kind of cleans things up a little bit. And so, but I, I knew there was
0: a, I knew there was a story to the room five. I think it's a great name.
1: Yeah. And it's one of those things where who knows down the road, you know, if, you know, it's, it's, it's a, you know, it's my passion is, you know, just consulting and educators and who knows, I mean, I've even thought about wouldn't it be neat if companies would, you know, start in and even do some, some work back in schools, kind of pro bono work that says, hey, you know, I'm, I'm from room five, you know, this is our mission. And guess what? Um, We're just going to come in and visit with you. And if there's any nuggets or ideas we have to help you with what you're already doing, we'd share it out. Right. And not, and I don't even, I'm not even talking about, you know, having contracts and making money on it, but just give back just some pro pro bono work i'd really like to get you know vision down the road i'd really like to get um kind of a project going with schools where if you need something we're not we're not in place of anything else but sometimes you just need somebody to talk to for an hour Mm -hmm. (laughs) and to say here's what i'm doing you got any ideas how i could do that (laughs) a little bit better right i mean
0: i love that yeah that's me actually
1: you know, I mean, it's not like we're, we're, and it'd be what you're already doing. It's not mm-hmm. like we have, a, we have no, we, our product is we have no product. Mm-hmm. We basically are just maybe get some educators who have, who have. It sounds under- like
0: a winning business plan, Toby. Yeah. Honestly,
1: <laughs> You know, our well, product is we don't have one. We just are- <laughs> listen to you and say, well, here's something you might try and you yeah. know, works within bounds of whatever you have. So down the road, if that ever happens, I'd, I'd like to see if I can leverage some people to maybe just, um, you know, it's, it's almost like you got the main, you know, I'm big into barbecue and, you know, I, I love to smoke ribs and, and, um, actually it was funny because I went to my doctor, um for a checkup one time and uh, he's going through the whole checkup and i told him that you know i like to go ahead and you know slow cook ribs and everything and he's doing his checkup and he goes you still smoking i go "Ah, no you know he goes what you're not smoking ribs i mean oh that's what you mean <laughs> <laughs> remember this is my checkup and you ask me "You still smoking no i never smoked so, anyway the point is when you do barbecue it's the main dish is you know the meat but it's the spices that you put on it that nice. add that. so wouldn't it be fun to to work with kind of like your little podcast here wouldn't it be fun to work with schools and just have a little spice project where you say yeah. hey you know we got some great people in the field and you want to spend an hour with them just talking to them about what you got going on or a half a day and just if you get an idea you get an idea and it's mm-hmm. not like you had to buy anything so i don't know i just I just think there's a, I do think, and you, you can tell me this true. I do is true. I do think the principal job can be a very isolated kind of lonely, not necessarily lonely, but you know, you're kind of on your own a lot of times.
0: Oh yeah. This is my, my, um, 13th year in a, as a principal and probably my 13th year of not having friends. So yeah, I can really, <laughs> <laughs> so, Hey, um, as you, you're, you've done a lot of training. What is your favorite topic to train on?
1: Um, my favorite topic to train on is the, the new art and science as it applies to level two. Um, and I think that we you, the, the levels of HRS are there for a reason. You know you have to start with level one. Mm-hmm. that's the basics. I'm finding I, I, I enjoy some things in level one. so I'm going to pick off one from level one that I enjoy too, but the thing is, I have a little bit of either my experience or my just mindset is I believe instruction is critical because it happens every day. It, you know, we can have the best curriculum in the world, but if we don't have teachers that are helping kids, and I have a little, I started a, a little statement is, and I looked this up and I think there are about 310,000 kids that go to public schools in Nebraska. I don't know what it would be in, you know, you can put in your district. Mm -hmm. There's about 300,000. So enter in your district. How many of them deserve effective instruction every minute of the day? All of them. All of them. All of them. And there's about, in Nebraska, there's about 22,000 teachers. How many of them have, deserve a chance to improve? All, All of them. Yep. So, and I, I, you know, what tugs at my heart is, um, and I have a little story here, and I mentioned it, I got a chance with Phil to write a chapter in the leading HRS book. And the reason maybe this, this hits home to me is I have a lot of empathy for kids in the classroom. And I just, I firmly believe that the most important person is the classroom teacher, and it's unfortunately, you know, if, if you think you're, good, you know, the principal job, it's very important. You're the most important person to get everything going, but it's that interaction between that kid and that teacher. And we had an architect that was doing a project at one of our elementary schools, and the project was going on during um, school, so it it, it they're putting on a new gym. They were doing a lot of work around their site work. And so I was still in the district here and I asked him, his name's Pat Phelan, and uh, very, you know, does a lot of, you know, architect all over, you know, it's architect, it does a lot of school architect. And I just asked him one time, I said, Pat, when you're, when you're doing an architect project or you're doing a construction project around a school when school's in session, what do you have to keep in mind? Thinking, he's going to say, we have to put up these safety barriers, we have to make sure that there is really nice distance between our workers and the kids, because one of the issues that. He told me, I have to remember they only get fourth grade once, and I'm not gonna screw that up. And I thought, wow, wow. How many times have you known that, you know, you're you're looking at a tough situation in your school You know, you got these, you got these kids right now that are about ready to graduate and you go, they're only going to get their senior year graduation once. And so that's, I really enjoy talking and working through the level two as it relates Mm -hmm. to the new art, because That's those are things that we can do right away because you got, you know, regardless of whether your curriculum is aligned to state standards and nothing against level three, you have to do that. And as a matter of fact, those kinds of things really make the largest difference is do you have an aligned curriculum? Right. But I know that tomorrow there's a kid going into a classroom and how can I help that teacher? How can I help them be better and solve the problems that they have? So I really enjoy um, thinking about how we can do. The things in level two, so that's that's. Well,
0: I love the I love that answer because it, it I mean it also is insightful that you are an education uh, an educator at heart because that is where what gets us going right is the instructional strategies and relationships with kids and, and seeing your work make a difference. Right, I mean that I, I think if you are an educator who cares, then this is your favorite level.
1: Right, effective and. Teacher. And also just that side of it where it's not, there's the art and the science of teaching, right? Right. But it also is this notion that if I have teachers that are willing to get better and take on that cultural shift of getting better, just because we have that mentality in our district our kids are going to be better off um take take it and and when you think about trying to move your district forward I always say kind of going back to you know we shine brighter like we're brilliant we shine brighter Mm -hmm. a lot of the answers are within your school a lot of the answers are there and I think that having methods to get your staff to work together and help solve some of these within the framework I mean it's, it's within the framework so I, I like the new art and science because at the element level it doesn't matter whether it's a kindergarten classroom or a high school social studies classroom you still have to figure out a way to engage students how do you do that and there's, mm-hmm. there's a million ways to do it but you all talk the same language
0: um, effective in, I want to get to the new art and science and teaching in just a sec, but overall effective teaching, what
1: is it? It would be you reach your students and move them forward with strategies that help them get the kinds of thinking you want. So when you get to the new art and science, you can be, you're effective when you're seeing those student mental processes and states manifesting themselves on the things you care about that you have as your as your focus the the, the issue sometimes with the new art and science or any model is it's very broad but robust right mm-hmm. so many schools they do have, the snapshot right have, yes have done they've taken the new art but then they've got the focus elements And so then they have the focus elements of, I'm working with a school right now that has 10 to 15, but always keeping the student mental states and processes in place. And it doesn't mean it's going to work every time for every kid, but if you can be effective in that you are moving the majority of your kids over, you're going to be an effective educator. And that means, you know, probably some of the ones that I see on there are, you know one of the training sessions i do on the new art i always ask him if you could only pick look at look at the 43 if you can only pick two which ones would you pick those are the only two you get i tell you the two that come up all the time are building relationships and classroom procedures and routines because you can't teach in chaos and you better you better love kids and get to know kids right so right. those have to be in place how do you do that and how do you how do you make sure that you're moving those those um student mental states and processes over. I love the one um, that's on assessment that you wanna be effective and the student mental state is on assessment is students know how their grades, how their assignments and their, uh, the, the work they do and their assessments are related to the grade they get. I don't think, I don't think our kids have any idea I got a daughter. She has no idea on the connection between I'm learning this and it applies to my grade. It's something Mm -hmm. I think you
0: are going to love working. uh, Hopefully, you're doing some of the work on our certification because that piece you just described is a big part of our work this year. And I have, you know, our language arts teams walked into their classes just this week and they're having discussions about okay, we're using the scales and this is this is feedback for you on how you're doing in the class. How do you how do you like that? And they were doing you know, writing prompts on how the kids you, you, on this new method of assessment know where they stand. And if they like that, as opposed to the kind of arbitrary way we were doing it before and we're getting great feedback. I mean, it's taken a little bit of time, but it's been it's been great work
1: now there. So there's your question was, what's a, what's effective teaching? Yes. Right. Right. Now let me tell you this is not in research any place this is just this is just Toby talking okay yeah this is what i think is an effective teacher okay if let's pretend you have a i'll say a third year teacher comes to you john and you've been working on the marzano work and you've been working on having students interact You know, that's you, you, you want some, some, you want more student discourse in there. So you want some more voice in there and you've got a teacher that's been doing it about three years and says, you know, I really need I set that as a goal for me to improve. So John, this is what I want you to do. I'm going to try putting kids into groups and bringing them back. Would you come in and watch me and tell me what you think? It may crash and burn, but I'm going out on a limb here. I'm going to, I'm going to try this. I just want to see if it works because I want that for my kids. Just see if it works. And then you come in, you watch, and you have that. And they are, they are completely unafraid of anything you're going to say. They're saying, I'm just trying this. Do you want to hire more people like that?
0: No, of course.
1: I see, love that. I, don't, I think a lot of times in, teachers don't get that. That this is what our administ- that's the those are the people I want.
0: We yeah. So let me. People. So tell you. Tell me if this is um, something you'd support. So I've seen Phil talk about this a little bit, right? So teach on evaluation. That's one means of trying to develop your teaching, but we really want to have it be a process of growth rather than this punitive right. like hammer. Right. And you you talk to your teachers about what their goals are, and that's the sliver of of improvement where you take that off the evaluation table so that they can take risks and be brave and courageous to grow. And so we've tried to do that. So I've taken our my goal meeting at the start of the year, um, incorporates the new art and science of teaching and asks them to dive into a couple of strategies from new art and science of teaching um, and whatever they choose, we, we will support, but just re- be, try to reassure them that that's off the table as far as evaluation goes. I don't think the message has gone as clear as I'd want to, but we are getting it out there and we are having teachers take risks and, and learn. I need, I need some more focus on that book and we just, we just haven't, had have it, haven't had time, so to speak. But, but we're trying to incorporate that concept because the evaluation process right now isn't as meaningful as it could be. When in the past, when I sit down with teachers to do goals, they're the comfort goals. They're not right. they're, because they want uh, they want to. This is their evaluation year. I want to be safe and get it done and then go back to my room. And we're really encouraging the stretch goal and um, learning something new from the new art and science of teaching and and let's do it. So,
1: well, a couple of things um, on that. First of all, that's the right approach in my mind, because here's the deal when we so we working at ESU six. We really were working with Phil and the art back when it was the art and science and then working forward, even before the new art and science, we were working through a lot of our schools and it kind of, it caught on statewide is having an instructional model. And early on, we had principals and especially some, you know, even some superintendents said, why don't I need an instructional model? If they're doing a good job, I'll tell them. If not, you know, I'll tell them. And if they're not doing a good job, you know, then I'll, I'll move on. But the point is, <clears throat> in Mullen, Nebraska, which has more cattle than kids, <laughs> right? Yeah, right. You, you, you've got, you know, 20 staff members, and you've got the teacher that teaches math there. And, you know, when you open up math in Mullen, Nebraska, you're not going to have droves of applicants. You better do something with the people that you have there and help be clear about what we believe. So we really work with our schools on a common language instruction. But the first thing, and I didn't get this anywhere, it's just my trick knee telling me, I better better think about this. I told all of our principals, when we start getting an instructional model going, we are not gonna even talk about evaluation. We're gonna say over and over again, this is a chance for you to get better. The second message is you're already doing a lot of these things. This is not the newest bad. So we would say, how do you already do some of these things? Is there, we even started with the goals. We called them challenges. We first, we just said, there's a challenge to try something and come back. So we do a training. Here's a challenge to come back. And then we'd have them discuss that. And we kept telling them if it doesn't work, it's okay to say, well, I'm either not going to do that again or do it that way again or what did I learn? And we really tried to encapsulate the learning. So this is what happened in some of our schools. We'd done this for a couple of years with setting goals around the model, You know, made it a little more formal, so they had to set a goal. And we usually kind of did them semester long. Um, the reason we did them semester long is that gave them a chance to work on it, but then we, re- we found that we wanted to revisit the goals at semester to see, is it the same one Do I go on to another one, um, really get them involved in it? And what we found was then we had principals come to us and say, well, then our teacher said, why is our evaluation system not based on Marzano? Because this is what we're doing all the time. I said, that's when you know you've won, right? That's when you know you've won. Mm -hmm. Because it's like our evaluation, our evaluation tool is terrible, You know, it doesn't have, I'm doing all this stuff over here, which I, and they, what they really enjoy, what really gets it off the ground is when they have a chance to work on their goal and they have a chance to get back with some of their colleagues, either have similar goals or maybe even different goals, but they're on a team that they have a check-in and they get to share ideas and say how they're doing that. And then one of the most powerful things we did was we had a celebration at the end of the year. And this is just one of our staff developers said, let's have a celebration. And if you, ever, if you want the, the basic slides to the celebration, I can send it to you in some examples. So here's what we did. We would take the teachers and in, in a lot of schools, they, they, uh, when they weren't big enough to have HRS or have uh, PLCs. So we just put them in in teams and we let the principals choose the teams. A lot of times, even in this the school that we did a lot of work in, It was was about 50 K-12 staff members. So there was elementary teachers, social studies teachers, math teachers, right? And they all were in a group of about six to eight. And they kind of had a a team leader. But every time we came in, they sat with that group. We'd have them set their goal. We give them time to reflect on what their goal had done. We even have a little packet that gives you do a five-minute write. Chart where you are, share out, then share out with somebody else so that the goals are very, very out there. Well, then one of our staff developers said, why don't we do something at the end of the year? So we started and we called it a celebration. So we gave some Google Slides, uh, just a slide deck and gave it to every team leader and said, go ahead and have your team members put their goal and their plan on a slide and then say, how has it gone? And it amazed me that this school was brave enough, they did it with everybody to begin with. And I've had some other schools say, well, I better start it small. But it is goosebump moment when they talk about that. So they all would get up, and we've done it both ways. We've had them get up in front of the whole staff, kind of like science fair, right? Mm -hmm. Get up in front of the whole staff and share that. Or we've also had them do it in smaller groups but they'll say, hey, I did this, and, and uh, these are the things, and some of them have put in little videos, they've put in pictures, you know, one, <clears throat> one teacher wanted to use more academic games, and then so she had pictures of this, and she had the pictures of the kids, and it's just as amazing, but what I found by doing that is then the rest of the staff gets an idea. We had a little note sheet said, you know, Hey, write down if you got an idea from somebody on something they're doing, and it was so authentic so those celebrations and we even um, call it from goal setting to celebration. Um, I just, and it was maybe it was the right time the right place to do it because I know a lot of schools say oh first thing you know we're gonna have them set a goal and then they got to get in front of all their colleagues and say how it went. it'll poison it well maybe you start out small and have people do it, but it was just, it was phenomenal.
0: Yeah. I would and, love to see if you'd share that. That'd be great. Um, what a cool thing, because people don't, you don't realize because our work is very incremental. And then by the end of the year, you can look back at really what you accomplished and how well you did it. it, it it's amazing. So that's one of the,
1: be- one of the best ones, uh, her name is Ashley Rickard and she is English teacher. <laughs> and so Ashley, if her goal was on um uh, note-taking and summarizing note-taking, you know, um that that element. And I think she had it on, I don't know if it's on the new art or the old art, but you know, the one that goes on that. So she wanted to do interactive notebooks. Mm-hmm. Now inter- we've done a lot of interactive an interactive notebook is where you take a just a regular um um uh, college um uh to, um, one of those notebooks that you just take notes in. What you do is it's uh, note-taking meets Pinterest. So you glue in uh, different, you glue in different manipulatives. You put back, uh, um, you go ahead and you put um, your vocabulary on it. But the cool thing is, is you, the first couple of pages are your table of content. So when you were, you know, if I was teaching something in that, I know that on page 15. Is, is this content. So this is this notebook. And so Ashley Rickert wanted to do interactive notebooks. So she did it on the Great Gatsby. So she said, I told the kids, um, I, I'm interested in this. Can we try it just on the Great Gatsby? And the kids said, yeah, that sounds good. So then we did it. And at the end of her presentation, she said, but at the end, I asked the kids, what are the pros and cons of doing this again? So she listed them out. And she said, do you think we should do this on others? And they go, yeah, we think you should, because I think it really helped us with it. That's what it's all about right there. And she was able to share that with people. And she was completely unafraid to share that, hey, these are some things that aren't so great about using an interactive notebook. But she said, I think I'm going to try that with some other classes now. And then people could go to her and say, well, I thought I might try one of those things too. It was just Just, and and it was simply on the, on the element recording and representing content, you know, and that was the one she took.
0: When you bring it out to the whole staff or those groups of people who don't normally work together. I mean, that's, there's collaboration. You, you were talking about, you know, we are bright, but we're not as bright as everybody in the room. That's the moment where it's like, ah, I could use that. That's a great, (laughs) that's a great thing. So that's really great. Um, I'm going to take you out just for a couple more questions. One is, the the big question that's kind of the title of the podcast is for you toby why is education work worth doing
1: well i going back to what i said previous and it might be because of just my my mentality and the way i'm wired is i'm very i'm a very empathetic empathetic person and somewhat sympathetic and i just think Regardless of whether you say the future of our world is the kids that are in school right now and all the rest of that, I just see I just see these kids in school and my heart just melts for them. I told somebody one time when I was teaching, I said I think I need them more than they need me, you know. (laughs) And and it's just um, kids kids are just they deserve everything the best every adult can give them because they only get this a very short time in their life. So I always say why this work is important is a kid's career in education from K-12 is fleeting. And every step along the way, these kids deserve the best education the adults in the building can give them. I had a good friend of mine, I used to do some work for, I don't know if you have advanced ed now It's Cognia, I used to do some work for Cognia and he said, school improvement is not about changing the kids. It's about changing the adults and what the adults do differently. So this work is worth doing because this is the chance our kids will get and they will, that the the people they become to some extent is gonna be shaped by the adults they encounter Throughout their career. Now, sometimes they're not, they don't, it's not a good one and they're not in therapy because of it, but they also have somebody and I don't care if they are the, the kid that is going to go to um, Harvard or is going to go to a service academy and, you know, and gets gets the, the top scores on the ACT or the kid that comes in and, and doesn't have the resources at home. Every one of those kids deserve the best shot the adults can give them. And that's, that's my simple mantra is like the adults, what are we going to do for these kids? Cause it's fleeting. I
0: I love that. Um, It reminds me of of, um, a a quick little story. Uh, I, we had a a Husky when my kids were little and just a wild dog. I mean, independent, um, hard to control, just, but super happy and you know, we, we love this dog. So I, my wife signed signed the dog up for obedience training. Well, guess who got trained? It was it was me. I I got trained, not the dog. And yeah. uh so it just remind me that. That was funny.
1: And and one other quick point is that we always say you know that kid that's sitting in your classroom that you go uh I don't know. Those parents are sending the best they got. Like somebody yeah. said one time, they're not keeping the good ones at home. Right. They're sending you the best they got. And one of our superintendents used to work on the fire department uh EMT. And um he said, um, he always tells a story about he goes on calls um for you know medical emergencies or anything like that. And he said, I see every I see the million dollar homes and I see the the homes that are that um the people are just getting by. And he says, you know what I always see on the refrigerator, their kids work. Yep. These parents love their kids. Every one of them love their kids. Yeah. And they, they're giving those kids to our care. So as adults, we better give them the best shot we can. And you know, um, from visiting classrooms, how
0: important the teacher is because in a secondary setting, you see a kid in many classes and I don't know about you, but I've seen a kid behave really great in a class and be very successful. And then I've seen him in the next class period class just off the wall so right i mean it's the same kid right? exactly it's the same kid so there's something going on there that might have to do with the adult um what what kind of advice would you have for people who are just new to education
1: um learn well hopefully you're going to have somebody to to lean on as you know maybe your district or your mentor but here's the thing is Seek out people that have a mindset of improvement and seek out people that fill you, fill your bucket, right? The old bucket filler that fill you with hope. There's going to be a lot of people when you go into a school, they're going to be people that are going to fill you with despair, <laughs> right? When you go in the lounge, <laughs> Right. Yeah. find people that are going to fill you with hope because, you know, if teaching was easy, everybody would do it. Right. I mean, right. come on, mm-hmm. this is not an easy gig. No. Um, but fill people with hope and always try to learn something from someone and apply it. You know, there, there is no handbook. I don't care how many books are written on, on theories of teaching at the end of the day, you got to build relationships with kids you got to set up how your classroom is going to run and you've got to move forward with trying to give them the best strategy. So always find, uh, surround your people with hope. And the other thing is surround your people to get ideas because you know, as well as I do, your first couple of years of teaching is where you're going to learn the most. I mean, that's where you're going to learn. So try new things, um, be honest with the kids. Say, I'm going to try this um, and, and just let them know who you are. Um, you know, the whole thing, remember you used to say, don't smile till Christmas. If you come into a classroom, well, come on, you know, these kids see right through that. So you just got to set your ground rules, be consistent, but surround yourself with people who will, you can go to with ideas. And there's going to be times when, you know, you see the new teacher um, frustration level. There's going to be times when, um, there's a reason why Thanksgiving break is important because they can get away. They're for sure. Teachers can get away from it, but find somebody that can give you hope and you can lean on and, um, that makes sure that you, you understand that you're not going to be perfect at everything, but you're just going to get better. Yep. Hey,
0: um, I hope you guys, you and your, your, uh, group of, of friends that are, doing this marzano business i hope you know that um that's that's you guys have been that for for me i mean truly uh this has been an exciting journey just the last few years for me i've learned more i know you say you learn a lot at the beginning but i've learned more here at the end and um so i hope that you will continue to uh pick up the phone as I need some guidance on this director piece. It sounds like you've been there as the curriculum director before. Yeah. And um, you know, people are, people are expecting some, some pretty big things I think um, because of the work we're doing at the middle school currently. And um, I just want to be able to, to deliver, if you know what I mean.
1: You will, you will just keep, just, just, um, you know, do the right work and remember that urgent doesn't mean important. <laughs> um, it seems like, you know, urgent's not important. So yeah,
0: yeah my, is- my dad is a, my, my family's a family of educators as well. My wife, um, my sister, my father, and my dad was a administrator and a superintendent. And, and he, he made that clear early on. He said, there's no such thing as an educational emergency. You'll be okay. Right. <laughs> you got well,
1: time. And when, I, so when you moved into the new job, um, see if this, this applies to you. So when I went into the curriculum director job, I mean, like I came straight out of the classroom, so I knew nothing. I mean, you've got a leg up. You you understand this. But Dan Nurse was my superintendent at the time when he pulled me out of the classroom. He said, OK, if you're doing your job, it's going to feel like three wheels on the car about ready to fall off. <laughs> if it gets to four, give me a call.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it feels a lot like that. Absolutely. So it's like, That's funny.
1: If you're doing the right work, it's going to seem like three wheels are falling off. You're probably doing the right work. So, you know, just just take care of yourself and hang in there. So,
0: yeah. Joe, you know, do you know who Joe Bowler is? She's the math uh, trainer out of Stanford. No, I, I mean,
1: I've heard the name, but I've never, never. Oh,
0: she's doing great work. And um, she, her comment is like that, too. It's like basically if if, um, if things aren't really rocky, then you're not being disruptive enough you know right you, you got it
1: and at the end of the day people are messy
0: yeah That's
1: what we love about them people are messy it's not going to be a straight path so you know you gotta you gotta you know do what the most you can with what god gave you every day and try to move the needle forward so
0: yeah. She has a, a diagram, what success looks like, and it's not a straight line. <laughs> it's exactly what you're talking about. It's a squiggly line all over the paper. Hey, listen, I appreciate you taking time. Yeah. I really like talking to you and I hope you have a great day. Thank you.
1: Yeah. And I'll send you that stuff on the um, celebration. celebration. Yep. I'll send okay. that stuff to you and have a great one. Thanks for including me on this. This yeah. is fun. Yeah. Thank you. Talk to all you right. later. Bye-bye. Be well.
0: Thank you for listening today. Toby and I met remotely via Zoom to do this podcast, and I want to thank him for helping me with my growth as a principal and for taking time to share his expertise and passion. If you'd like to learn more about Toby, please follow his Twitter at TobyBose, T-O-B-Y-B-O-S-S.